This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Well, this has been an incredibly eventful year in Alberta politics, hasn't it? I mean, they all are. They all are. We never have a dull year when it comes to politics in Alberta. But I think this year uh, maybe even sets the bar at an all-new high. And it's not even over yet. There's a lot happening as we speak. But uh, as I told you, this, uh, for all intents and purposes, will serve as our year-end chat with the Premier, a long-standing tradition for media outlets and politicians alike. And we're delighted that Premier Daniel Smith has taken some time to join us this morning. Uh, Premier, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, Shane. Nice to talk to you. We'll get to some of the current event stuff if we have time a little bit later. First of all, though, it is our year-ender. So, I mean, how do you sum up this year? If you think back to where you were, particularly a year ago, to where you are now, I mean, it's mind-boggling how things have changed. It really is. I think I think we're we've really turned a corner though. Back in February was a bit of a, 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 a I think a, a pivot point for Alberta when we realized that we could start moving on and treating COVID as endemic, and there was a, a huge appetite to do that. And that that really I think helped with the leadership race through the summer with all of us taking the same position that we were going to move to endemic. We're not coming back into restrictions. It got people I think feeling confident again that they could go out and do their activities and get their kids' life back to normal, and that they could get their businesses restarted again and it wouldn't be interrupted and i think we're beginning to see how that is that is playing out there's just so much consumer confidence out there so much investor confidence and i I think that that's a a really exciting turning point for this province for you personally if you think back to where you were at the end of 2021 uh how realistically would you say you thought you might be premier at the end of 2022 i mean i know it was on your radar you talked about it you'd mused about running for it um but realistically did you have any inkling that this might shape up this way you can never anticipate what's going to happen in politics i mean i remember when i left politics in 2014 i was probably the most unpopular person in alberta and it lasted for a long time and fortunately i had an opportunity to be on talk radio for nearly six years and i think that that got uh, I had a lot of people forgive me for that blunder in that process. And uh, I think it, it paved the way for people to, to realize that I still had a little bit more to contribute. And I had, I had said if the job came open, that obviously I would put my name forward to run again. And and so when it came open, I, I kind of locked myself into it. And when I run for something, I run to win. And, and that's part of the reason why I guess I'm here today. But no, I wouldn't have anticipated this a year ago. Um, and you jumped into the leadership and uh, what became sort of the the, the signature um, platform plank, which continues to this day, is relations with Ottawa, the Sovereignty Act. Um, was that the goal? I mean, is that the overarching Danielle Smith focus of her political career as she relaunches as Premier of Alberta? Or did that just sort of grow into what it grew into as the leadership campaign went along? I mean, where did it rank when you got started? The number one thing for me was that I was beginning to see the same divisions happen in our conservative movement that I've watched through my entire political career. Uh, I don't know what it is about conservative coalitions, but they seem so unstable that you end up with, whether it's a rural-urban divide or a divide between social conservatives and those who are libertarians, or whether it's an east-west, but it does seem like if you do not proactively manage when there are problems within your movement, it ends up 
busting apart and people go off and create a new party. And that was what I was worried about when I got into the leadership race is that rural Alberta was really angry and people who hadn't had voted for the previous government on the basis of standing up to Ottawa felt let down. People who had believed that they were voting for a party that was going to defend their freedom felt let down. And so I wanted to make sure that those who were disenfranchised and considering voting for someone else said, no, no. I was able to say to them, no, come back in. We're going to address these issues and then we're, we're going to rebuild this coalition. So the leadership race was that first process is why I identified a couple of the issues that I did that I ran on. But the, the ones that I think really connect all of us together as Albertans is we, we've got to make sure we keep our jobs and economy growing. We have done such a great job as a government over the last three and a half years rebuilding investor confidence. We've got the highest level of venture capital coming into the province. We've got a consumer uh, confidence index increased 2.9 points in November, whereas everybody else has declined nationally. It's down 5.3 um, uh, points. We've got m- new investment being inv- announced by all of our oil sands companies. That is something we've got to keep on going. And then the other part is that if we're going to have the richest economy generating surpluses, we've got to take care of people because there are is a huge affordability crisis that we're facing among our seniors, among our vulnerable, among our parents with kids. And so we wanted to make sure we provided a level of support for them as well. We're still paying off the debt. We're going to pay down $13.4 billion worth of debt. And then also, we absolutely have to fix health care. It's unacceptable that we have the highest amount that we're spending on health care in Canada compared to the rest of the world. Alberta spends more than virtually every other province. And I came into this position hearing about 29-hour waits in emergency rooms mm-hmm. and, and ambulances lined up 22 deep at our hospitals in Calgary and Edmonton. That is unacceptable. And I think that we've got a lot of resolve, not only from Albertans, but certainly from our caucus to make some movement on that. So I would say that that's my most important target right now. Um, You know, and like you say, bringing back in the rural people who felt they were disenfranchised and all the rest of those things. And you're absolutely winning in that regard, I think, when it comes to the Sovereignty Act and some of your other positions. But, I mean, there was a poll out this week. I think it was Leger that put out the poll that said, you know, it's like one in three Albertans that think the Sovereignty Act is even necessary. They've got other things on their mind. Healthcare being one of them have you lost have you lost sight of like you said when you won you had to govern for all albertans are you doing that if you've got one in three worried about the sovereignty act and that's all we're talking about this week well meanwhile we've got you know children's hospitals collapsing under the weight of the tridemic or whatever it's called well let, let me say this I, I think if we asked albertans do you think we need to stand up to ottawa to keep them out of our business i think you would probably get close to a hundred percent saying yes because ottawa is part of the reason why we have investment dollars that have fled major projects that have been cancelled over the last seven years so i think if you they may there may be some work i need to do to convince people that my sovereignty act is the right way of, of going after ottawa but i don't think that there is any doubt that albertans want us to to push ottawa back in its own lane as for health care i mean it's part of the reason why when i found out about this crisis in children's tylenol that i asked my team here i said okay ahs they keep telling me that they've got the very best procurement department in the entire country prove it let's see if we can go find some products so that we can get um, children's acetaminophen and ibuprofen in the hands of parents we're at the beginning of respiratory virus season and as you point out we've got covid influenza and rsv and so yesterday we were able to make the announcement that our hs team to their great credit 
and managed to, to secure a supply of 5 million bottles. And we're working collaboratively with the federal government to get the final approvals from Health Canada. That's what collaborative federalism actually looks like. And we'll be able to hopefully have those bottles in the hands of parents in, in very short order so that they can have some comfort going into the into the, the rest of the Christmas season. And part of the, the reason that is so important is that's what's putting the extra pressure on our hospitals is that when, when parents have a young one and they can't clear the fever, uh, it's really dangerous. They can, there's, there can be seizures of those who are under the age of six. And so they go to the hospital and that is what is, is putting the extra pressure there. If we can give them the medication so they can take care of that at home, then we're going to be able to take the pressure off the system. The other thing I'd say is once again, in pushing Alberta Health Services Management to be proactive, we've, we've put in Dr. John Cowell, who's our official administrator, and he is telling them every single day, make a decision, make a choice, find an answer, I'll back you. And one of the things they did at the Children's Hospital is set up a fast track so that if families are coming in. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. For minor ailments, now there's a fast process to be able to treat them and get them on their way so that they, so that we can, we can make sure that we're uh, focusing the, the attention that we need to on the most serious patients who have to be admitted. So I look at those as being a success of the approach that we're taking. We are not going to be hands-off. We are going to be pushing every single day to ask Alberta Health Services, our, our provider of health care, to do better, to be better, and to, and to make sure that they're, they're, they're living up to the expectations of Albertans. Um, when shortly after you were sworn in as premier, you tried to put some distance between your role as premier and your role as, well, host of this show. And you said, you know, that you'd evolved and, and some of your thinking had changed. And I, I, I began to wonder immediately, and I'm glad I've got an opportunity to ask you, around what? Uh, give us an example. What did Danielle Smith say when she was sitting in this chair that she now thinks she got wrong and she's changed her thinking on? You know, I have to tell you, I mean, part of what my process was when I was on the air was I wanted to talk to people across the spectrum. So whenever there was an issue that came up, I had my favorites. I, people won't be surprised at all by that, uh, that I had a lot of favorites. But I would always make sure to identify somebody who was on the other side of an issue. And if there were five or six different perspectives, I would have five or six different people on. And so I, I could probably say that there were countless issues that through that process, I might have started off with a, a very libertarian type position because that's my my that has been historically my foundational worldview but when you talk to somebody who makes a good argument you have to say hmm maybe i need to modify that a bit and and, and i think that that's an important part of of having these kinds of forums is that you have to be able to hear from everybody so that you can make sure, so that you can keep everybody in the same public square so you can come to some kind of common understanding and move forward i think what might have been a bit different in my old life is that as an opposition leader, 
you're always sort of looking for the things that you disagree with. When you're on the air, you're always looking for to find some area of common ground. And I think I found common ground with virtually every one of my guests. Yeah, it wasn't about listening, though, I don't think, uh, Premier Smith. It was more about the statements that you made. We can pick any number of them. The uh, hydroxychloroquine was one. Um, people should be spending money to go see their GP was another one. Um, you know, maybe smoking isn't that bad for you. Those kinds of things. I mean, has your thinking changed on a particular issue, I guess, is the question I'm asking. Well, I don't think smoking's good for you, Shay. So, <laughs> so I can tell you that one unequivocally have changed. On the on the issue of, of medications, I guess what I would say is I, I feel pretty strongly that doctors should have the have the freedom to be able to make the decisions about what's best for their patients. And I'm I'm quite concerned uh, about the fact that we haven't given doctors that latitude over the last two and a half years. I don't, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist, so I don't want to take a position on any particular medication. But I, I think the principle that we've got to allow our doctors to have latitude to make sure that they are giving the best treatment to their patients. I think we've lost that, and I'd like to go back to that. Um, and on the uh, the issue of, of health spending accounts, I mean, I, I I very firmly believe that when I'm in the position I'm in, I have to be mindful that we we've got we've got to do changes in healthcare that fall 100% within the Canada Health Act. That's what I've committed to doing. And so the health spending account, as I'm conceiving it, is that it has to be for the things that are currently not covered by the the health system and the, the the reason I even got the idea in the first place is that we provide these programs for MLAs and for our public service and it seems a bit unconscionable to me that taxpayers would pay for my health spending account and the health spending account of all of our unions but we're not paying for the same kind of approach for every Albertan so I want to make the approach more comprehensive so that everybody has the opportunity to use it to pay for glasses or mm-hmm. chiropractic or or uh, acupuncture and so so maybe that is modified a bit that I, I want to make sure it's confined just to those areas that are not covered by the by the uh, Canada Health Act. So it sounds more like almost like a universal benefit package rather than saying you know what I think it would be a good idea if you had to pay to go see your GP every once in a while. I mean those are those are vastly different issues. They, they really are, and, and it's not on side with the Canada Health Act, frankly. Canada Health Act covers not only doctor services, but also hospital services, and that's our agreement with Ottawa. If they want to fund our system, then uh, those are the things that have to be universal and have no cost associated with them. And I'm, as I said, I'm not doing anything that's going to violate the Canada Health Act. Uh, last one, and then I'll let you go. We've got about five months now before the election. I mean, it's coming up fast here. Um, in terms of what else might be on the way, we've heard a lot about the Sovereignty Act, and you've done a lot of work around the inflation as well, but, I mean, healthcare, I think people are clamoring for help with the healthcare situation. Is there a solution? I know you're saying, you know, you can fast track and you're bringing in the Tylenol, but I mean, it comes down to bodies in a lot of ways. Is there something that you're working on that will provide some relief in the short term for Albertans who are worried about, you know, this weekend? I would say that we'll see results in very short order. One of the things that Dr. John, the John Cowell said when he came in was that he'd never seen so much alignment from me as the premier to our health minister, Jason Copping, to the, uh, the person who is at the helm of Alberta Health Services as our interim CEO, Moro Kiaz. Uh, he's never seen such alignment in a group of people wanting to work together to solve the three key things that we've identified. Number one, people will know whether we're having success because if they get picked up by an ambulance, and they are not waiting hours in the back of an ambulance or 22 deep in line, they will know that we are having some success. That's number one thing we want to fix. Number two, they will know when they go to an emergency room that they will either get treated and released or they will get 
uh, assessed and admitted, and it won't take 29 hours. That is, that is going mm-hmm. to be the measure of how quickly we can get through the system. And the third is going to be our surgical wait times. We've actually done a pretty good job of reducing the surgical backlog. We're, we're at 69,000 surgeries, but um, it was 68,000 just before COVID. I still don't think that's good enough, but every single person should be able to get their surgery within a medically reasonable period of time. And those are the measures that we're looking at. And that will be, we'll be benchmarking that within the next uh, couple of weeks, and then we'll be measuring our performance against that and that that is going to be the measure and i think we'll make some great progress in the coming months yeah and i know every albertan is hopeful that that does come to bear uh premier smith thank you so much for your time i appreciate you being here